Hey, what's up? This is the Leafs Combo for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. OakRidgeFord.com. I'm Norm along with Mike. It is Thursday, January 27th, 2022. The Leafs coming off a 4-3 shootout win over the Ducks at a spectatorless Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. The Leafs are 7-2-1 and in their past 10 among the 10 best teams in the league. Top power play, top four penalty kill. But the team still has a glaring vulnerability in that it cannot get a lead and lock it down. Michael, why should we continue to go on about this to the degree that we do? Uh, good morning, Norm. Well, first, I mean, it, it's not just us. You can say, well, fans and observers, you know, the, the team has constantly been up 3-1. And like through that six-game road trip, they were up 3-1, I think, in five of the six mm-hmm. and then last night against Anaheim up three, one and blow the lead. And they've done that consistently over this stretch. Um, the concern is, is that, you know, either they're sitting back, they're being passive or they're not getting the goaltending that they got earlier in the year and they're bleeding points. They, they had a four, one lead against Colorado, lost that lost in overtime. Um, they had a lead against Vegas. They had a lead against St. Louis they had a lead against the Rangers. You know, they didn't do it against the Islanders, and now they did it against Anaheim. And these are all good teams, but you know, you can't when you're against a good opponent, you once you have the lead, you need to strangle them. You need to choke them out. And the the Leafs don't seem to be able right now to be able be to be able to do that. Now it's a question of whether that's just on the goaltending situation, but I think it's an overall team thing where you know, they're, they, they seem to sort of relax a little bit. And, uh, I mean, last night they were up three to one. They scored three power play goals. Mm-hmm. They had five on three. They scored on that one. Tavares with a nice goal. And they tried uh, desperately and had a couple really good chances to make it four to one on the remaining five on four power play. And then they get caught late in that power play. And Silverberg comes down and makes three to two. And as soon as you saw that, you essentially, no matter how well they played in the third period, you said, Anaheim's going to, going to tie this game up. And John Gibson played fantastic and Shattenkirk ties up the game. And then, you know, they win in the shootout. But the, the point here is, is that, you know, they blew that lead. And in the playoffs, you cannot afford, if you have a two-goal lead at any point, you cannot afford to let that team come back. And it's a trend that I think, you know, Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are going to have to address either before the deadline or before the playoffs because they're going to play a Florida or a Tampa or a Boston or a Pittsburgh in the first round of wherever they finish. And you cannot let those teams breathe if you have the advantage on them. This is the combo for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario, oakridgeford.com. We are on the tip of seeing a ton of new 2022 product landing on the lot. Escape, Edge, Explorer, of course, F-150. I just did a deal with an OG, and he is really excited about the truck we ordered for him. I can help you out, too. I'm right here. If you are looking for a vehicle, no matter where you are, especially in Canada, all you got to do is reach out to me, the Leafs combo at gmail.com, norm.james at oakridgeford.com. I am here to help you. I am dead serious, and we will definitely get something done. A lot of times when people get out uh, into the, the, the landscape of car dealerships and the market, 
there's a concern. You get your back up. You're, you're worried that somebody's going to take you for a ride. You don't want to trust anybody. I'm your guy. Do it with me and I will uh, usher you through the process. It'll be seamless and a lot of fun to boot. Mike, how do the Leafs overcome this incapability of holding leads? Like, is this a situation where we have to see this team lock it down and get serious and hold leads and win, win games convincingly before they get into the playoffs? Or re regardless of what happens, we are still headed for a, a date with another playoff chance and another playoff opportunity that we can't be so sure about, but that will be the litmus test. That will be the, you know, the benchmark for this team. Doesn't matter what happens in the regular season. They've got to get back to the playoffs, win by hook or by crook, but obviously to win, you've got to be able to be confident when you have a lead. Well, I'll say this, if they remain playing the way that they're playing right now, which I don't think is fast and loose, but it's not good enough. You see teams like Florida, mm -hmm. and they went in different ways. You know, Florida's a, a powerhouse offense right now, and they're getting good goaltending from Bobrovsky, and Tampa Bay has got the you know, the, the Stanley, Cup, Stanley Cup pedigree and the players that they do, so you don't have, don't have to worry about them turning it on when it comes time. With the Leafs, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if they play this way right now, I, I think it's a 50-50 proposition of them winning in the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. After playing Florida or Tampa, those teams are just as talented as the Leafs. So they've got to be able to play a better defensive game and take advantage of the fact that they can, you know, they can score goals. And once they score goals and once they get in the lead, to be able to batten down the hatches. Now, part of that is improvement on the blue line. Part of that is getting good goaltending. And I, like I told you, Jack Campbell um, – you know, even though he, you know, he got his, I think it was his 20th win yesterday. He's one of the top, league's top goaltenders. But if you look at after the that that ridiculous streak that the Leafs had in November, where they you know just won everything, and sure. and Campbell was fantastic, and he has ridden that to an All Star birth or an All Star uh, yeah. selection, and probably would have been one of the top three for the U.S. at the Olympics if the NHL had gone to the Olympics. Right now, since December the first. He's eight two and two, which is a great record. His goals against is over three, and a save percentage is under nine hundred. So those are below average statistics. Now you can say the reason for that is is because he was he had to play a lot more games than anybody thought, and that's understandable. Maybe there's some mental fatigue there, but he's basically I mean he's gotten a lot of rest over the last I'd say two or three weeks. You know, obviously with the you know he got. I believe he was one that had COVID and he recovered and that's got to be factored in, but like he didn't play for an entire week before playing last night and he wasn't mm -hmm. busy last night and he really didn't play well until the shootout. Um, you're going to see, and with the schedule that is in front of them in February, where after the all-star break, they're going to play, I think 11 games in 17 days. You're going to see a healthy dose of Peter Morazic. You're going to have to because they can't play Campbell every mm -hmm. night, even when there's games in between. I think you're going to see basically a rotation, which is what they planned all along because Morazic played well against the Islanders. I think it's going to be Campbell one night, Morazic the next, Campbell the next night, and they're going to rotate them because otherwise they have to take they have to take advantage of their strength and goal with Morazic playing the way he can play because some teams are really going to be – behind the eight ball with if they have a backup who's not good because they're gonna have to play those guys a lot so you the use of Mirazik 
ginning up is out of necessity and out of preservation for the number one who is really he's settling into the role in more ways than one it's not just like he's winning easily and it's like second nature he, he's going to settle into the role taking these dips right mike i mean the leafs still have the fewest goals against um in the atlantic division the numbers aren't terrible. The The Leafs are winning. But the problem here is, Mike, is the team goes up 4-1. Jack Campbell's in that. Then he gives up two, three more goals, and they win in overtime. They win in the shootout. They win late. So he's given up more goals, which inflates his his goals against, yet he still gets the win. It's all it's all part of the process for for Jack and you know anyone who's who's watching this podcast. You have to understand where Mike and I are coming from, and I'm sure you share a lot of the same feelings in that um in in totality there are more positives with this team than negatives and it is pushing along at a decent pace i mean we've seen improvements with the penalty kill uh and the power play it look it looks great but there are other issues now and if if you're going if you're going to win a stanley cup the the whole package has to to come to fruition in terms of you know running it at you know top level and you know when one thing is great uh, another thing leaves um more to be desired it's all part of growing into uh, a winner and and then a, a playoff uh, winner and then a champion the the key the key for us though is to to keep our um you know spirits high and uh, our expectations tempered based on the history of this team you know yeah. And it's not all on Campbell. I don't want I don't want that to be misinterpreted by people watching. It's like it's not all on Campbell. You know, Campbell has had moments where he's played really well, but you know, giving up five goals against uh, mm-hmm. Colorado and and yep. you know, five goals against St. Louis. I mean, these are tough teams. Six goals or five goals in, uh, against the the Rangers. Um, it's also on the team in front of them, especially the defense, which yep. in the last week has had to play without Jake Muzzin. And that brings another thing into focus, which I think we need to talk about, which is the blue line, which is a constant when it comes to the Leafs because it's constantly been an area that they've needed to address. Mm-hmm. Um, the top pairing is great. Riley and Brody, they you know, they finally find that found the right complementary top pairing guy for Morgan Riley. That's fine. But with the injury to Muzzin, it reve- and, and then uh, Justin Hall was out with COVID, uh, it revealed, you know, a problem which we've seen in the playoffs where somebody gets hurt and then all of a sudden the domino effect is and then you're you're playing Travis Dermott 20 minutes. And I'm sorry, Travis Dermott is not a good enough defenseman and I don't think is going to end up being a good enough defenseman to play in a top four role. So, again, this is the really the big issue with Kyle Dubas in the sense that he needs to upgrade the blue line before the trade deadline and we'll probably have to give up assets to do it. And it's going to be difficult for, because they don't have a lot of cap space, but that's not the the biggest problem. And Chris Johnston uh, just reported this on the Toronto star in his column with the border restrictions, getting a player to come to Canada, even if they're Canadian might be an issue. Because they, you know, what happened with Zach Bogosian last year? Zach Bogosian signed with the Leafs. 
he could, I, don't, I don't think his family ever came to Canada. Um, and after last year, with all the border restrictions, he ended up re-signing in Tampa for less money because, you know, he was tired of what was good. Now, this is not under the control of the Leafs, but this is another thing that they're going to have to deal with where they're going to have to find a player not only who fits what their need is, which is a right-hand defenseman in, for their, in the top four, they're going to have to find a player if it's a player playing in the U S that's willing to come to Canada, unless they don't have any kind of no trade, no move restrictions. So that's another hurdle, but I, I, you know, I know that there are at least, I know at least one player that has been rumored uh, that they have interest in that would, that wouldn't be a question because he's already playing for a Canadian based team. And who is that? That's Ben Sherrod. Ben. Now this is the thing that, um, and I, contacted uh, a friend who covered the the Jets for years in Winnipeg and Sherrod is a left-hand shot but he's played the right side so that would you know that would potentially be a fit on that second pairing with Jake Muzzin I don't know about the speed of that second pairing because Sherrod isn't exactly you know Kale McCarr in terms of being fleet of foot but he's not bad Mm -hmm. but that would be a physical second pairing, but Montreal is going to expect a first round pick at least for uh, for Sherrod. And the, uh, CJ reported a couple days ago on TSN's Insiders that the Leafs may be looking for somebody that has term on their contract rather than a rental because they gave up their first in the Felino deal last year, which is a rental, and you know have nothing to show for it. So if it's a player who is somebody somebody with term left. You know, there there are a couple candidates out there. I know that Damon Severson from the New Jersey Devils has been mentioned. He's a but he's a four point one million dollar cap hit, and mm-hmm. that's going to be difficult to to fit. So mm-hmm. there, you know, there are there are a number of options, but the 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 direction of where the Leafs have to go is clear. I think they have enough depth and flexibility at forward, although they'll always be willing to, if they can get somebody inexpensively, they'd be willing to add sure. somebody. But on defense, if Jake Muzzin goes down, like he's gone down the last two years, and now all of a sudden you're having you're going to have to play, you know, Rasmus Sandin, who's 21 years old, and Timothy Lilligren is 21 or 22, in a top four role in a playoff scenario, I, I don't know. They don't have the experience right now. To, to handle that and they might get their lunch handed to them. They, you know, those guys playing bottom pairing, playing protected minutes, playing 13, 14, 15 minutes in a playoff scenario. I think you can get away with that playing them 20, 22, 23 minutes and overloading Riley and Brody. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, So well, we have the guy out of Montreal, potentially I mean, he was difficult to deal with during the playoffs. Leafs Habs last spring and we know the result of that who else would you say the Leafs have on their radar that the general fan can identify with and get somewhat excited about the prospects of a potential acquisition and the other the other thing with Sherrod is that apparently when he was a free agent the Leafs were in on him but he chose to sign with Montreal um another name that I've sort of focused on and again this will be an issue in terms of salary and whether the team is going to trade him because they want they want to sign him as well as a rental would be Rasmus Ristolainen and the former Saber who's now mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. You know Philadelphia yesterday basically said you know we're we're more concerned about 
um, you know, next year and getting our players back for next. They, they didn't put the for sale sign on, but they may as well have because they're they've lost 13 games in a row and they're really a tire fire right now. They want to sign Ristolainen, but you know he's a big right-handed, tough uh, uh, defenseman who knows the Atlantic Division. You know the the analytics people hate him because his his underlying numbers are not good. I don't give a crap about that. I've seen the guy play. Yep. He eats minutes. He's tough. Um, he can penalty kill. He can he could play the power play in a pinch. Yep. Um, I think he's a good defenseman. Uh, and you're not talking about keeping him for multiple years. You're talking about a rental. So mm-hmm. um, if they go the rental route, that Ristolina would be somebody I, I would I would check in on. But if you believe, and I you know I have no reason not to believe what uh, Chris reported. Um, if they're looking for guys with term, you know a guy like uh, Severson makes a lot of sense because he's you know, young enough and he's locked up for another year. That's similar to what they did with Muzzin. Muzzin had another year on his contract when they made the trade with LA. Um, but the pro- the problem is when you, you know, I mean, if they got involved in the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes, which I, you know, I've heard in passing, they may have checked in on, you're talking multiple draft picks and prospects yeah. for a guy like yeah. that. And I, you know, again, I don't know whether that's a direction and, and a cost that they really want to go towards. You've got, you've got many things to consider, right? Yeah. You have assets now <clears throat> that can pay dividends for you in the long term that you may have to move out in order to bring back something, uh, you know, of, of a temp- temporary presence, right? Uh, temporary results. Where where are the where are the Leafs uh, in the chronology of a an organization that's moving forward to making a, a major statement, right? And that's the that's the thing because you will have fans and you will have people of the mindset that whatever happens this year is just all part of the, the evolution of, of this group and the franchise. And if they don't win, no problem. There will be next well, year and a year after that. And, I, and I'm not trying to be condescending about it, but we, we, we do know that, for as much as there's always next year, there really isn't next year um, because the, the the organization will will live on in infamy forever. But guys like Kyle Dubas and his staff may be up against the clock, and it's not something they're talking about. But they may have to govern and make decisions that um, re- result in uh, more you know more rapid something more rapid to happen for them uh, in a beneficial way than long term for the sake of. Um, just maintaining employment with the Maple Leafs. You know what I'm saying? I I continue to waver back and forth about whether, you know, this is a scenario where Dubas is going to say, I'm going all in. I would think that that's the case because I can't perceive of him keeping his job. I'm not saying this any with any kind of particular glee because I, I like the job that Kyle Dubas has done. Um, they just haven't had the results when it counts, but I think he's his scouting and his drafting and you know what he's done under under the salary cap ha- has been really really good overall. But you're talking about five years between him and Lou Lamorello of them losing in the first round, and how many years do you go before there's some price to pay? Now mm-hmm. I I thought okay this is it you know this is it this is the year if they if they don't get past the first round he's done. But then I look at the options out there in terms of who they would bring in if they did, you know, Jim Rutherford's been hired in Vancouver. 
uh, you know, Jeff Gordon's been hired in Montreal. Anaheim's going to hire a GM, so is Chicago. Uh, Philadelphia may end up hiring a general manager if they fire Chuck Fletcher. You know, there are not a ton of really experienced top-end general managers unless it's somebody who's with an existing club. And I think Dubas has done a pretty good job. It's just, again, they need they need to perform when they need to perform. Yeah. If they don't, is MLS and you going to say, okay, Shanahan, Dubas, you're out of here. Keith, you're out of here. And let's start afresh. But you're starting with the same group of players. I'm, I'm starting to be of the opinion, Norm, that if they lose in the first round again, that Dubas may stay and that finally the core gets tinkered with because they've Dubas's uh, um, mantra has been, we're going to keep this group because this group, you know, is going to eventually perform. And if they don't perform this year when it counts, then something has got to be changed. Then the construct of the team has to be changed. But I don't know now. I'm not 100% sure that if they lose in the first round that they there are major changes with with, with the hierarchy at MLS and the, and, the, and the Leafs. Yeah, and there's no acrimony that we know of that, you know, filters from the top down and players having uh, knock them down, drag them out disagreements right. with, with managers. That's not, that's not the issue. If there were, it's easier to move, remove the coaching staff and the management than it is to exile all the players and, and then replace them. But in this circumstance, it may be easier to replace the talent on the ice, maybe not apples to apples, but, overall bring move move out bring back and continue on with the philosophy than it would be to remove Kyle Dubas who's again for his for as many people who think that he is the greatest person who's ever walked the face of the earth with the greatest brain sure but he's still finding his way in this in this league it it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to invest in the way the guy the way the 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 ownership has only to get to the point where he's really starting to face adversity and 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 growing, and then to to can him and have him go somewhere else and be an assistant general manager somewhere else. So it may be easier just to have him stay in place for no matter how deep the Leafs get in the playoffs, or even if they they fizzle out in the first round, or they go all the way to the the championship. Who knows? Easier to keep him and let him make the adjustments as this team tries to navigate its way forward. Um, to be to become a champion because look every other organization worth its weight goes through this process and then gets into the playoffs makes a mark falls short and then overcomes and if the Leafs forget the drought forget the um, the, the ghosts of, of Harold Ballard and all that stuff if this team aspires to do that from the ownership to the management the coach has to the players then you know it collectively something has to, somebody has to keep the train on the tracks moving forward and if that's Kyle Dubas over the players and you know we can all believe it then so so be it Mike just a few more points I, I wanted to make a comment about the potential shifting of the dynamic on the defensive end you know if Muzzin's hurt and the team is short-handed quality bodies that may change the way Kyle Dubas uh, approaches the deadline and, and whom he may go after as opposed to bringing in a cherry on top kind of guy who can complement a group someone someone may have to be brought in just to fill a hole and th that's not a good thing 
No, that's not a good thing. And it, it, there were concerns about Muzzin having a concussion, but it, I know that he was having, he had practiced the last couple of days. He was having neurological tests to confirm that he was okay and that he mm-hmm. probably will be back against Detroit on Saturday. Um, that being said, like I said, he's been hurt the last two years in the playoffs. Um, play, you know, players get hurt in the playoffs, yeah. and they don't have the safety net of having a Zach Bogosian on the bottom pairing to be a penalty killer. I mean, they recently they've been using you know Timothy Lawyergren as a penalty killer, um, and I don't think he's done a bad job. But what I'm saying is, in, in a playoff scenario, you you probably want more uh, veteran uh, depth to be able to fall back on. Uh, you know, they, I, the smart thing for them to do, and I think they're going to do this is play these guys, meaning Sandine and Lohgren, play them the next 30 to 40 games and find out and get an idea of whether they can handle, you know, the, the, the crucible of, of the NHL postseason. They need to find that out. Now they have a ton of games before March the 21st. And if they find out that they're capable of doing that, then I think they're still going to add a veteran defenseman, but mm-hmm. maybe it won't be, uh, it'll be a more of a, a bottom pairing guy than a, than a top four guy. But Mike Terry three G last thing the Leafs need to do is bring in another veteran GM like Lou and mess up the team right now. They're, they're on the right track. I thought he was referring to a veteran defenseman, but um yeah, I mean, it's not so much v- like veteran. Again, if the Kyle Dubas era were to end tomorrow, they bring in who's available and who they f- think is is going to further advance the cause. If he's if he's seventy, if he's eighty, if he this isn't a boomer versus millennial thing. This is who's available and who can take this team to the next. If they they could bring back King Clancy from the dead and have King Clancy lead this team to a championship. You'd have people ripping on him on Twitter for being a fossil and not alive. Had, but he takes him to the championship. It's who's available and who has the philosophy. This young versus old thing. I, I think it's. I mean, we've made a we've made a lot out of it ourselves. But if it's all twenty somethings available to to take this team to the next level after Kyle Dubas is booted, then those are your people. But if it's somebody with lots of experience who's available, who you believe um, can finally remedy this thing. Then you go for that person. Doesn't matter what their age is. Had had he not been hired in Vancouver, Jim Rutherford would have been tops on the list. He'd won mm-hmm. three Stanley Cups with Carolina and Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, former Leaf, but he's not available now because he's the president in 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 in, in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that okay? If you fire Dubis, who are you going to replace him with? Ray Shiro? I mean, you know, there there are a few general managers out there that aren't employed right now. You know, yeah. you want to bring in Peter Peter Shirelli or bring in Mark Bergevin or some of those? Well, not it's not going to be Stan Bowman because obviously, but but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like the pickings right now. I I think Dubis is a more viable option to stay and yeah. to and to make the changes than That's than, the bring point. In, than to bring in somebody else, but. The, between now and March the 21st, I think people recognize that the weak spot on this team, and I don't know whether it can be remedied by trade, but the weak spot on this team is defense. And, and the, the, what Chris Johnston reported makes a lot of sense. We don't want to give away a first-round pick for a, for a quick fix, uh, for a, for a stopgap. Uh, we want to get value for the first, meaning – somebody who helps helps us for multiple years. That's what Muzzin did when they traded for him in 2019. It was they got that year and the following year 
they're probably looking for somebody who's at least got another year on their contract, maybe two, and that would be worthwhile to give up a first round pick and may, you know, maybe even more than a first round pick might be a prospect, mm-hmm. but that's what, that's what you have to do because, you know, you need to improve this team, not just for th- this year, but for multiple years. So Cameron Gilchrist, how did the new lines look last night? I, I, I'd i like to know your opinion. At the end of the day, it really didn't matter because the Leafs scored three power play goals, which is a right. good thing in and of itself. Right. But but what, was, what was your takeaway from, from the reconfiguration? But they didn't, they, they didn't score five on five. So that's, that's the thing. It's like, and I know that, that, uh, that uh, Keefe, you know, in offensive zone faceoffs, he would substitute uh, Matthews or Tavares for for Camp, who's more of a defensive specialist. So really, I mean, they, they played with, you know, they, they were a little more feisty, I think, in, in terms of forechecking, but it didn't really work because none of them scored. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so you know, they, you can say that they drew penalties, and because they drew penalties, that they and they get the power play opportunities. But no, you, you this team needs to score five on five with regularity. And yeah. last night against a good young Tampa, a good young Anaheim team, they they didn't do that. But I, I think that more than likely they'll continue to experiment because if as I looked at going into the game, Tavares had two points during the uh, the six game road trip. Yeah, Neilander had three points. Marner and Matthews produced, but they, by spreading those guys out over three lines, they were hoping to generate more offense from multi, multiple sources. And in the end, they didn't generate anything at all other than power play opportunities. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll continue that against Detroit. But you know, D- Detroit's not a not a, uh, a you know a team that's going to roll over, and they played the Leafs really tough the last time they played them in Toronto, so that should be a challenge for them. I don't think the Leafs have deficiencies. I think they're just they have vulnerabilities, Mike, yes. that connect season to mm-hmm. season. There, it's inherent, and um, it, it, I think getting over the hump as a, as an organization into the playoffs and winning around with vigor and fervor and, and confidence will do so much for, for the group, for, for management and, and it's, it's general cause and its beliefs and getting it to that point. And then for the fan base too. But between that moment and now we have a lot of time to, to talk about, the minutia of the team all the way up to the to the real things that matter on a nightly basis. One of the best teams in the league. Its power play seems to have sorted itself out, at least for now, and let's keep that going. Sure, we want to see five-on-five five scoring. The the ex- expectation, it'll be there. Now the defensive group um, not only needs a little, um, you know, more emphasis on, 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 on grits, and uh capability but it just it needs bodies too so that'll be interesting to see how it all plays out uh og's conference just one thing i wanted to mention if you're into it or not and i put this in the community platform uh, youtube.com slash leafs combo i want to do one final run of leafs combo gear and then i'll most likely end it forever if you want to get in on it all i need you to do is email me the leafs combo at gmail.com or you I mean, you can get at me in community but I, sometimes i'm not in the mood to read them so just email me if you want to get a sweater i don't know there might be some different colors i'm going to work on designs i just want to get a gauge to see who's who wants one because i get a lot of 
random people, hey, can I get a, everyone wants something free. Nobody wants to pay for it. But it's like 50 bucks all in with, with shipping and all that kind of stuff. If you want to get in on it, one last batch of these things, and I probably will never do another round of uh, a gear for the Leafs combo again. Um, if you want to get in on it, let me know so I can gauge the interest and then I can place an order and we can get everybody that one you know final round of swag and paraphernalia so we can remember this uh, wonderful project that is the Leafs Convo. Uh, Mike, it's Leafs Red Wings on Saturday. That should be a fun game as it always is. Last word to you. I uh, just want to give props to Josh Hosang who uh, was named to Team Canada for the uh, Olympics in Beijing. Uh, now he he was concussed last week, but apparently um, he'll be okay uh Going forward, I guess the first uh, the first games are in uh, February the 9th in in China. Uh, but if you look at the rosters of these teams, I mean, obviously this is you know for some people who are looking forward to you know Austin Matthews and McDavid going head to head, you know, seeing Eric Stahl and you know uh, some veteran guys and some journeymen who are playing in the KHL. Um, that's not exactly uh, you know, what people were looking for. But Hosang, it, it was interesting. Elliot Friedman said that Hosang, that the Leafs were continue, were going to sign him or probably were going to sign him to a NHL deal when Marner and Kasha were out, but that he was on the radar for the Olympics, so they chose not to because if they signed him to the NHL deal, he wouldn't have been able to go to the Olympics. So he may get signed to an NHL deal after the Olympics, and that – I think is a good move because he's a talented kid and he seems to have straightened things out and he's having a good year with the Marlies. Uh, Nick Aberzies and Matthew Nyes and Pontus Holmberg are playing for the U.S. and for Sweden in the Olympics. So that's you know some prospects getting a good look. And I it was just funny scouring the rosters of former former Leafs who are playing for the respective countries. Here you go. I'll just do this quickly. Daniel Winnick is playing for Canada. <laughs> the almighty Corbinian Holzer is playing for Ger Germany. Uh, Kenny Agostino is playing for the U.S. Uh, Kirill Simonov, who left the Leafs to go back to Russia, is playing for Russia. Uh, Leaf draft pick Fabrice Herzog is playing for Switzerland, along with the almighty Dennis Malgin, who every time Mason Marchment scores a goal, I say, well, how's Dennis Malgin doing? Um, Miko Lettinen, who played for the Leafs last year, Mira Altonen, who's on the uh, the Calder Cup winning team in 2018, Uncle Leo for Finland, Mar Martin Durkles for not that bad. This is not a bad tournament. I'm, I'm interested. It's like a, a group of where are they nows? Yeah, Martin Durkles for Latvia. And last but not least, but actually last but least for Slovakia. Martin Moritz. Unbelievable. What a way to end it. Hey, Mike, it's summer. I'm in Niagara Falls. Middle of the night, I wake up. It's Israel versus the United States. Baseball from Japan. Ian Kinsler at second for the Israelis. And you had David Robertson on the mound for the Americans. And several months down the line, he's at Fenway Park pitching for the, the Rays in that big game that ended with um, your Red Sox winning it. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really happy about David or about cheater David Ortiz making the Hall of Fame. Way to go! So he so he cheats and gets in, and, and the greatest hitter to ever walk the planet is still castigated and and exiled. And my my argument is here, Barry. Is, I'm sorry, like Barry. I'm Barry my, Bond, my, my argument is is if you're going to let a obvious cheater, alleged 
in because I don't want to get sued in David Ortiz. If you're going to let him in, then you should have let in. He was let in because he was a nice guy, and Barry Bonds was a dick, so he didn't get let in, and neither did Roger Clemens because he was a jerk. But it's Barry Bonds. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Well, uh, the most feared hitter that ever uh, lived. Hey, but Pete Rose isn't in. I mean, this is the thing. If you're going to let David Ortiz, who's a cheater, in. <laughs> Pete, then was betting, like, Pete was betting on games. Like, yeah. now that I think back, it's like, that was awful. But yeah. the, the, look, and we will end it, but baseball is not rife with wonderful people. I mean, and pro sports in general, there are tons of scoundrels who are immortalized and, you know, yeah, the all time, it'll, it'll never come to life or to life this. rather. Remember that. Okay. This is how fortunate hockey is. The all time goal leader is Wayne Gretzky, who even if Lee fans hate him for 93, which I don't blame you. He's a, he's a, a good guy. Yeah. Gordy Howe was a great guy. Yeah. Okay. Baseball has Ty Cobb, who was purportedly a murderer, and the gambling addict known as Pete Rose. Hockey and baseball. Thank you. <laughs> Michael, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch up on Sunday. Thank you very much. This is the Leafs Combo, and we're out.